Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Exodus 5:22 through 6:27. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Save therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, The people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanach, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The years of the life of Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimei by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took as his wife Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zichri. 
the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Amminadab, and the sister of Nashon. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Prutiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was about they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. Hey, welcome to Vintage Church again. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner and I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. And uh, like always, I'm excited for today, especially because we are wrapping up our first section through the book of Exodus in this series we're calling Crossover. And so we're going to take a break from Exodus and we are going to pick Exodus back up this fall. And so we have started in the book of Exodus, and we have gone today. We're going to go through most of chapter 6, and we've learned a lot. Moses was born. The people of Israel are enslaved. God encounters. Moses encounters God at the burning bush. Moses goes to the people of Israel, goes to Pharaoh, and begins his work of redemption. We've learned a lot about God in this series already. We've learned a lot about ourselves in this series already. And so I want to encourage you, if you're new, you're looking for resources, you want to catch up, you can find everything at that link right there on the screen, as well as an introduction to the book of Exodus. And so if you're new to the book of Exodus, you're new to the Bible, you want to learn more, this is a great place to begin. So today, as you just heard, we're in Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 through Exodus chapter 6, verse 27. And, and here's what I want us to think about today. I have a feeling that many of us at some point in our lives have experienced discouragement, rejection, and doubt. None of those things are positive things. But if we're being honest with ourselves, there has been a moment in our lives when we have been discouraged. Probably there have been moments that we have been discouraged. There have been moments when we've been rejected, whether it was by a complete stranger or whether it was by a close friend or a family member. And then there probably have been many moments in life where we have doubted, where we, there, whether that's doubting ourselves, whether that's doubting friends, whether that's doubting God. We've had those doubts. And I guarantee you, if you look from Genesis to Revelation and through the entirety of the Christian scriptures, you're going to see people who experienced discouragement, rejection, and doubt. Today, we're going to see that from Moses. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to linger on those three things. Rather, I want us to think about, okay, if we're going to experience those things and we know we are, how do we work through them? 
What does Moses do? How does God encourage and challenge Moses through his discouragement, through his rejection, and through his doubt? So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that I want you to see, and we've already really talked about it. Moses experienced discouragement, rejection, and doubt. We see this at the very beginning of this passage. The first thing that we see is that Moses was discouraged by God's timing. Go back and look at verses 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter 5. Here's what it says. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? That is, the people of Israel. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Now, we don't quite know the timeline of, of these sequence of events, but here's what we do know. God has appeared to Moses. He said, I'm going to deliver my people. I have remembered my covenant, and you're going to do it. And so what we're, what we're seeing is Moses saying, listen, God, you said you were going to do this. Last week, Mark Anthony Thomas preached about the bricks and about, Mo, about Moses going to Pharaoh and Pharaoh saying, Who's, who's Yahweh? Who's the Lord? And so Moses is like, God, when are you actually going to do this? Moses is discouraged because God's not working all of these things out in Moses' timing. So he's discouraged. Number two, Moses was rejected by Israel. Look at verse 9 of Exodus chapter 6. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So Moses says, listen, this is what God's going to do. God's going to deliver you. And the people of Israel have already been through enough. They've already experienced and they're broken by this. They're broken by the fact that now they have to make bricks without all the materials being brought to them. It's not getting any better. And so the, the man who is supposed to lead the people of Israel is rejected by the very people he's supposed to lead. So he experiences discouragement. He, experience is, he experiences rejection. Lastly, Moses doubted God's plan. Look at verses 10 through 12 of Exodus chapter 6. Here's what it says. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in... Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. Remember, he was rejected by Israel. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Again, that word uncircumcised, it's, it's used metaphorically here. Not necessarily referring to whether he's been circumcised or not. We've talked about that for a few weeks. But referring to the fact that he says he's slow of speech or he has this speech impediment or he's not good at speaking. The whole thing about doubting God here is, listen, the people that are for me, the people that are on your side, Israel, they've rejected me. If they're for your redemption, for your deliverance, what makes you think, God, that Pharaoh, who's against this plan, will let the people of Israel go? 
I mean, you know, it's, it's like your home team should be rooting for you, but they're booing you. You remember the Saints when they were terrible and they were the Aints, and the Saints uh, fans would come in with uh, uh, bags on their heads, right? I mean, your home team fans should be for you. But Moses is saying, listen, if they're not for me, then Pharaoh's not going to expect this either. All of this leads us to this reality. And again, you don't have to read the Bible to believe this and to know that this is true. But the scriptures teach us. We have, we do, and we will experience discouragement, rejection, and doubt. The, the reason I bring that up is because for many of us, it's a jolt and it's a shock when we experience discouragement, rejection, or doubt. Or when we experience all three of those all at the same time. We really come to this place of like amazement and surprise that we're experiencing those things. But the reminder for us is if Moses experienced those things, then what makes us think that we won't experience them either? We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world. There have been moments in time when we have sinned. There are going to be moments in time when we will sin. There have been moments in our history when we have been sinned against. And guess what? It's probably going to happen again. You and I, we will experience discouragement, rejection, and doubt. But I want to remind you of someone else who experienced those same things. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, prophesies about the coming of the Messiah. Here, the Messiah is a suffering servant. And listen to how he describes, ultimately, Jesus. It says, he was despised and what? Rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you not think that's discouragement? And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, I want you to think about this because I, in my opinion, this is so important. Jesus came to earth. Remember, Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. He came to earth knowing that he was on a mission to fulfill the will of God, to do the right thing. And at the same time, he knew that in fulfilling the will of God, he would experience discouragement. He would experience rejection. And he would experience doubt. The moment on the cross, right, when he cries out, when he's being crucified, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced all of those things and he was doing the will of God. Moses experienced all of these things and what was he doing? He was simply doing what God had told him to do. Here's what I want you to see. Just because you're experiencing discouragement, rejection, or doubt doesn't mean you're always doing something wrong. Now listen, no doubt there are going to be moments when you are rejected, when you're discouraged, or when you doubt. And the reason you're feeling those three things is because you've made an error. You've made a mistake. You've, perhaps you've even sinned. 
But I think what we learn from the scriptures, particularly Moses and Jesus, is that there are going to come moments in our lives when we experience these three feelings or these three emotions. And it's not because we've done anything wrong. In fact, it's because we're actually following the Lord, pursuing His will. If you're going to follow the Lord, listen, prepare to experience discouragement, rejection, or doubt at some point in your life. Listen, I'm not telling you that God doesn't want you to have a blessed life. I'm not telling you that God doesn't want you to be joyful. But what I am saying is that the way of God, the will of God, butts up against the way of this world and ultimately the ways of the enemy. And so just as Moses experienced all of those things, and part of it was because he was coming up against Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, you and I, we are going to experience those things. We're going to experience discouragement, rejection, and doubt because we're following the Lord. And those things are going to happen. So just as Moses experienced those things, we too will experience discouragement, rejection, and doubt. What's the answer to those three things? Because none of us want to live in those three things. Look at what happens next. Moses experienced those things, but number two, Moses was to trust the Lord. Now, you might get, be getting tired of me saying that or other people who have preached through the book of Exodus in this series, but that's what you're going to see throughout the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is a book of faith. It's about God revealing himself to Moses and the people of Israel and showing him who he is, and then Moses and the people of Israel believing and trusting the Lord. And this is what God does. It's incredible to me. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8, God gives all of these reasons why Moses can trust the Lord. Number one, God's personally revealed himself. Now again, we've already looked at this in Exodus chapter 3, right? Moses sees this burning bush and he goes to the burning bush and God says, take off your sandals, you're, you're standing on holy ground. And he says, uh, God reveals himself as Yahweh. I, I shared this a few weeks ago, but when you read in the Old Testament, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, that is the personal name of God. It is Lord. It is Yahweh. So the first thing that Moses, that God does here is he reveals himself again. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Now, if you keep reading in verses 2 through 8, I want you to see three times God tells Moses, I am the Lord. Why can he trust the Lord? Because he's beginning to know something about God. He's beginning to know the character and the personhood of who God is. Now, I don't know about you, but the more that I get to know someone determines whether or not I trust them. And so for Moses, he's getting to know more about this God. Number two, God's made a covenant with Israel. Go back and look at verse four. In verse four of Exodus chapter six, I also, God is looking back to the past, I also established my covenant with them, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Why? 
should Moses trust the Lord? Because God is saying, I made this covenant. I made this pact. I made this agreement with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's connected to the third point. Number three, God's remembered his covenant. We looked at this a few weeks ago. I think it was Exodus chapter 2. When God heard the cries of the people of Israel. And when he did that, it says he remembered his covenant, meaning he was ready to move into action. It's not that God just forgot, like, wow, wow, I should have wrote that down. That's not what God is saying here. What God is saying is, I'm moving into action. So that's what he says in verse 5. Moreover, I've heard the groanings of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have what? Remembered my covenant. So he remembered his covenant. Why can Moses trust the Lord? Next, God says he will save Israel. Again, look at verses 6 through 7. These are two of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Now God is directing Moses and he's saying, this is what you're going to say to the people of Israel. When you go back to the people of Israel, tell them this. Say therefore to the people, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Now all of that is this deliverance, right? Getting them out of slavery. And all of that's great. But look how personal it gets in verse 7. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God wants to have a personal relationship with the people of Israel. That he doesn't want to be a stranger to them. Lastly, why could Moses trust God? Is because God says he will give Israel their land. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, I'll bring you into the land Why is he going to do that? Because it's a part of the covenant. It's into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. See, all of these things, the reason God is showing these things to Moses in verse 2 through verse 8. By the way, none of this is necessarily new information. He's simply reiterating to Moses, listen, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. And all of it is about trusting the character of God. That if God says he's going to do something, he's going to come through. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. So he can be trusted. So for you and I, obviously this leans us into what? It says this, we must trust the Lord. Now, trust always starts somewhere right the thing that i love again about uh, particularly verses six and seven is i think in verse seven where god says i will be your god and you will be my people god didn't want to be this distant tyrant god he wanted to be a near and dear father he wanted to be in relationship with his people. And for you and I, that's, that's the same reality today. 
God wants to be in relationship with us. Just a minute ago, I talked about Jesus, right? And I talked about him experiencing uh, doubts and discouragement and rejection. But in him experiencing those things, he is the way to a relationship with God. Because Jesus is the Son of God. And he came to earth and he put on flesh. He lived that perfect sinless life and yet died on the cross, not for his sins, but for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, defeating sin, death, and hell. And the scriptures say that when we respond, number one, in repentance, walking away from the way we have been living, because the way we have been living is sin and it's contrary to the way of God. Number two, having faith or believing in Jesus, that when we look at the cross and we look at the resurrection, we can believe and we can say, Jesus died for me and Jesus rose for me. And then number three, confessing that faith through baptism. Baptism is where you go under the water. It's being buried with Jesus and then coming up out of the water, raising to new life. And that is us publicly confessing to God and to those present We're choosing to follow Jesus. Today, God is still saying, I will be their God and they will be my people. And he's done that through Jesus. That is the starting place of trust, the starting place of faith. It is saying, I'm willing and choosing to step out and make that decision. I think about it like this. My wife and I, We just celebrated 14 years of marriage. So Rachel and I have been married 14 years. Uh, We've been together 16 years. And we've probably known each other, I would guess, close to 20 years. And when I think about my wife, I trust my wife with my life. There's, There's nothing about me that I don't trust her with. And the reason is because of her track record. I want you to think about that. I trust Rachel with everything about my life because we've known each other for about 20 years and we've been together for 16 years. And so I know things about her that nobody else knows. She knows things about me that no one else knows. She knows what I need. I know what she needs. I know because of how she's taken care of me in the past that she would do anything to take care of me in the future. So if she were to make a promise for me to me about our future, I know that I can trust her. And what I want you to see about trusting God is that God is the same way. What he's reminding us of in this passage to Moses is, Moses, you can trust me because I've been faithful to my promise. For you and I, it's a reminder, yes, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. It's the same God who rules and reigns over all of creation today. And we can see God's faithfulness in the person and the work of Jesus. That the promise is made that Jesus would come and redeem us and make us God's people. That's true. And if that's true, whatever's going on in your life today, whatever situation is going on, whatever thing you're trying to get through, that discouragement, that rejection, that doubt. Listen, you can trust God. And even more so, this is so important for you and I. 
Because when we look at our world and we see that it's broken and that it needs healing and we're kind of asking God, where are you? What are you going to do? We are promised that one day Jesus will return. He will defeat the enemy. He will defeat sin and he will ultimately defeat death. And then he will make all things new. And he will rule on earth forever. We can trust that. We can trust that because God is faithful. What's more real? The discouragement, the rejection, the doubts you feel, or the Lord? Trust the Lord. So Moses experienced that rejection, that doubt, that discouragement, but he was to trust the Lord. But the trust was to lead, lastly, to this. It was to lead to obedience. Moses was to obey the Lord. Look at verse 13 in Exodus chapter 6. So all of this has happened, right? We've got to this point where Moses has gone back to the people of Israel and they've rejected him. That's verse 12. And here's what it says next. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt. What was the charge? To bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I, I love the way the message, the paraphrase of the Bible uh, quotes or translates this verse. It says this, but God again laid out the facts to Moses and Aaron regarding the Israelites and Pharaoh king of Egypt. And he again commanded them to lead the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. I love that phrase, again laid out the facts. <laughs> the way that I see this happening in my mind is God says, listen, I'm only going to tell you guys this one more time. Here's what we're going to do. There is no other plan. It's this, and this is what you're going to do. That's how I read that. Moses, again, was saying to God, listen, God, Israel hasn't listened to me. So if Israel's not listening to me, what makes you think Pharaoh is going to listen? And do you notice that God almost immediately and completely ignores Moses' objections? I mean, he doesn't even try to, like, give them credit. He doesn't even try to uh, answer the objections. He just says, listen, this is what you're going to do. You are going to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now, a part of this that we didn't go into detail with, but we read, was the back half of Exodus chapter 6, verses 14 through 27. Now, to Western eyes, we read this genealogy and we're like, what in the world is this doing right here? But in the ancient Near East, this made perfect sense. Now, now here's why. If you read this genealogy, the first thing it does is it lists the sons of Reuben. Reuben was the oldest child of Jacob, one of the sons of Israel. Then it goes to the sons of Simeon. Simeon was another child of Jacob. And look at verse 16. These are the names of the sons of Levi. Now, if you notice something, this is an interesting genealogy, if there is such a thing, by the way. But this is interesting because typically a genealogy would go through all of the sons, 
right? So this would be about the entirety of Jacob's family. But it stops with Levi. It only brings up three sons. Why? The point of the genealogy is about Moses and about Aaron. It gets to the end, and it talks about the sons of Aaron. Why is that important? This genealogy is a reminder that God has chosen to use Moses and Aaron to deliver the people of Israel. And so it's a reminder to those reading, and listen, ultimately it's a reminder to Moses and Aaron, this is what God is going to do. Whether you think it's going to happen or not, whether you want it to happen or not, this is what's going to happen. Moses was to obey God. And here's the reality. You probably know it already. We must obey God. I remember being a, a, a younger child, and uh, my mom loved theme parks. She loved uh, roller coasters and all those sorts of things. So I grew up in southwestern Ohio, and there's a, a, a theme park called Kings Island. There's another one to the northeast near uh, Cleveland and Putten, uh, Putten Bay called uh, Cedar Point. And both of these theme parks are known for their roller coasters. And uh, I remember being a young child, like barely, barely being tall enough to ride these rides. And my mom would talk me into like getting in line to ride the, to ride the roller coaster. And so we would, we would wait in line, and we would be standing there forever. And then, you know, you get to the point where you can then see the cars of the roller coaster come in and stop. People get off, people get on. And it was always at that moment when I tried to get my mom uh, to let me out, to like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm ready to back out. It looks too scary. You know, people are, some, some kids come back in, and they're crying, and I'm like, mm, I don't want anything to do with this. Now, whether, whether it was abuse or not, my mom would say, no, 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 you're riding this ride with me. You agreed that you are riding this ride. She wouldn't let me out of it. So we would get on the ride together, and after the ride was over, I was always thankful that my mom made me ride the ride. Why? Because my mom knew that that roller coaster was safe, and she knew that when I got off the roller coaster, I knew that I was going to have fun. I knew it was a blast. Obeying God is the same way. We might get to the point of obedience and be like, man, I don't want to do this. This is so not fun. But God knows what's best for us. God always has our best in mind. We obey God not because he's a tyrant or not even because we might be afraid of God. There is such thing as a healthy fear of God, and that is not being afraid of God. But we obey God because we trust God. We trust that God does, in fact, have our best in mind. And so when he tells us to do something, we obey him. Because we know that what he wants for us is better than what we want for ourselves. I want to point you to Proverbs chapter 3. Many of you might know these verses, but it's a reminder for us of trust and obedience. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. How many of us right now, just quick pause, 
are leaning on our own understanding, thinking what we know is better than what God knows for us. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Again, how many of us think we're pretty smart? We've got it together. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is one of my favorite parts of this verse. If we do that, if we turn away from evil, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. For so many of us, we don't want to obey God because we think he's a cosmic killjoy or we think he doesn't want our best or we think our way would be better. But what the author of Proverbs says is, no, 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 God's ways is healing. God's ways are refreshing. So why wouldn't we want to trust the Lord? Why wouldn't we want to obey Him? Now, just a quick side note in all of this. If you want to obey God, then you have to know what God wants. If you want to obey God, then you have to know what God wants. I want to encourage you, next week, we are going to be jumping back into our deep and wide vision for 2021. And we're going to be, in particular, first looking at our deep habit for quarter three. It's Bible reading and prayer. I want to encourage you to be here or watch online because we're going to be talking about how we read our Bibles, why we read our Bibles, how we pray, why we pray. And those are important spiritual habits. Why? Because that's how we hear from God. Secondly, I can't encourage you enough to be engaged in a local church. If Vintage Church is your home, be engaged. And that doesn't just mean come on a Sunday or watch online. That means be in community. That means know people and have those people know you. That means seek out accountability. That when you're doing something, you shouldn't be doing. When you're not obeying God, that you have people in your life that are willing to call you out. Or listen, even when you're obeying God, that you have people in your life that serve as guardrails to help protect you from going off course. Bible reading, prayer, community, that's how we hear from God. That's how we obey God. Trust and obey God, even when you feel discouraged, even when we feel rejected, even when we doubt God. Now, here's what I can promise you, and you're not going to like this. You're going to feel discouraged. You're going to feel rejected. You're going to doubt those things are going to happen. They're going to come again in your life if you've already experienced them. That's one thing that I can promise you. Those things are like death and taxes, right? We all will face it. We're all going to experience discouragement, rejection, and doubt. The point is to prepare for it. Prepare for it. So how are we supposed to prepare for those things? I think this part of Exodus shows us that. God reminds Moses once again of who he is. That he's a good, loving, all-powerful God. 
that he wants you to be a part of his family and he wants to be your God. We cling to the character of God. And in clinging to the character of God, we trust and we obey. Why do we trust and obey? Because he's faithful. Because he's trustworthy. There are no doubts, again, those moments when you're going to feel discouragement, rejection, and doubt. And in, listen, in the moment of feeling discouraged, in the moment of being rejected, in the moment of doubting, I'm just being honest with you. You don't want to trust and obey God. Those are the moments you want to turn away. Those are the moments you want to be like Moses. That's why we prepare for it. Because when you are prepared, then you are ready to say, even in the face of discouragement, rejection, and doubt, I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm going to obey the Lord. In the face of rejection, in the face of discouragement, in the face of doubt, trust and obey God. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us, God. We thank you that you are a faithful, trustworthy God. That even in the face of discouragement, rejection, and doubt, we can trust you and we can obey you. And so help us do those very things. Help us now, Father, as we respond to you. We love you and we thank you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.